Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, Brunning, Bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Tuesday. Matt and myself will be recapping the game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders from last night. Ended up being a pretty good game that went into overtime. We'll talk a little bit about waivers and then our hits and misses from week one in our weekly rankings for the Camps to Canton website. Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday? Doing pretty good. You know, uh, it's that point in the season where you remember that as much as you're excited for football to return, you're going to be tired for five months. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, that's been here for, for a while for me. I don't, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, this year, obviously due to, you know, we launched this website and everything going on. I feel like uh, there was no off season. There really hasn't been, but that's all right because we love it, right? We love doing this stuff. Love being a part of football and getting to talk about it. So I, I can't really hate on it that much. It's it's definitely been uh it's been a lot of fun. It's been the most fun I've been having uh doing this stuff for years. And we we have been doing this for quite uh what is this? Our this is this our third year together? I did it a year by yeah. myself beforehand. So this is our third year doing this. So yeah, it's a uh, time flies. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it. So let's I was uh, a young man when we started and now uh, I'm middle aged. So was I. You guys think this is like, you know, reddish blonde hair. Now it's pure white from stress. I just dye it like constantly. So, uh, but anyway, so let's, uh, let's jump into what happened uh, last night between the Baltimore Ravens and the, I, I almost want to say I messed everything up anyway. So we are proud to be part of the pigskin podcast network. I always forget to say that right at the beginning um great great network we're thrilled to be a part of them it's been a lot of fun ton of great podcasts not just football baseball soccer hockey fantasy everything it's a whole lot of fun to be a part of them check them out matt yes look you want to get the kind of tools that help bob harris reach the fantasy football hall of fame it is the flash update pro at footballdiehards.com we are currently in the midst of doing our first waiver run of the season. You want to get the insight and analysis that you need in the rankings to make the right decisions to thrive. You need the rankings, the cheat sheets, the mock drafts, the consistency tools, the target distribution, snap counts, and more that comes with Flash Update Pro. If you use the code ROUNDTABLE, you can get an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. So what are you waiting for? Head to footballdiehards.com today. 
All right, so now we are definitely going to talk about that Monday Night Football game where the Ravens lose in overtime to the Raiders, 33-27. The Ravens' offense moved the ball very well. Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray scored on the ground. Lamar ran for 86 yards and threw for 235. What was your overall takeaway from the uh, Baltimore Ravens' offense, Matt? I thought they looked good. I I watched a lot of the first half on the Manning Brothers broadcast. Uh, It was kind of fun to hear their input and back and forth. And then the second half, when it kind of got serious, especially that fourth quarter when I was going back and forth, I flipped over to the main broadcast because I needed needed just like the straight play-by-play so I could pace. Um, You know, I was excited. I I called this my upset special. I thought the Raiders would win, but I thought it would be a close game. And Baltimore – Looked very good. They Their offense moved the ball well at times. I think we saw probably the way it's going to run. Tyson Williams uh, looked pretty good uh, coming out there. Had one huge run for a touchdown. Latavius Murray, just a few days with the team mixing in. I think those guys, I still think those are probably the guys. They didn't elevate Le'Veon Bell, and I think they've released Devonta Freeman. Um, but otherwise he's just hanging out there passing game. You know, I Lamar made a few nice throws. Marquise Brown had a a nice game. Sammy Watkins had a couple of deep bombs, but we still see some struggles. There were some deep balls and balls down the seam that weren't quite right. I think they'll settle in. He, he got crushed on that last fumble. Um, I'd be curious to see if that, has an impact, but I thought the Ravens offense looked pretty good considering all that they've gone through. Yeah. I mean, to lose not only your, I mean, realistically you could say they're two starting running backs because they did use Gus Edwards a lot. So to lose JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and then Justice Hill, who they expected to come in and do a lot of uh, some of the receiving work. You know, we did get to see at least a little bit of Tyson Williams, and he did look good. I imagine Latavius Murray is going to continue to build up and be more a part of that offense. Um, but they definitely look good. It's never easy to go into an opponent's home and win, especially that. I mean, you had, you know, obviously it's Alliance Arena, right? Is that the name of it, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah, Allegiant. Allegiant. Okay, so they opened it. They opened it last year, but obviously no fans were able to go because of COVID. So it was rocking the entire time, yeah. full of Raiders fans. You know, regardless of what you want to say, that it's just hard to go in and silence that. When that day, I watched a little bit of uh, Peyton Manning and Eli as well. They were talking to Eli about that when he went in. I can't remember. I think it was the Cowboys went into Jerry World when they first yeah. opened it and actually beat them. They're one of the few uh, defending Super Bowl champions to lose an opening Thursday night game. Yeah, so it was uh, definitely, uh, I thought it was a really good game. I did not watch until the end. I finally ended up going to sleep like right in the middle of the, the fourth quarter. Did catch the end of it this morning. I, I rewatched the rest of the game. I recorded it and then came back and watched it uh, when I was waiting to do some work this morning. Uh, you know, Carr surprised me, but we'll get to, I guess we're talking about the Ravens. We'll get to the Raiders side in a minute. Uh, I was great. Happy to see Marquise Hollywood Brown looked decent in this game. Won't lie, very happy that uh, Mark Andrews did not have a massive game. That helps me out. They Got tried. a couple wins. They just couldn't yeah, get him they did. And, and a lot of that happened last year, too. You know, I get criticized a lot for saying that, I, you know, while Lamar Jackson is a good – he is a very good quarterback. He struggles sometimes with making some throws. And, and we saw that last night. And in all honesty, I, I want to say it was in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews was wide open. 
about 20 to 30 yards down the field. And it reminded me exactly of that play last year, Monday night. I think it was week 13 or 14 against the Cleveland Browns where Mark Andrews got wide open and Lamar Jackson threw it over him. He didn't hit him. It just missed him. Go ahead. He he did that a couple of times. So I was listening to the Manning broadcast and they made a couple of comments, but they're not the type to be super hypercritical. But there right. was another one uh, later in the game. I think it was for DuVernay where he just launched it out of bounds. There was no, no chance, no play to be made. And Brian Greasy, who, you know, we forget, he was a decent quarterback. I yeah. am in Denver. I actually, he's one of my top five favorite Broncos quarterbacks of my lifetime. Uh, which tells you how bad quarterback options have been in Denver. But uh, he he was talking about how that's a completely wasted play. It's There's a difference between trying to make a safe throw that you know is not going to get intercepted and one that, you know, there's no chance nothing's going to happen. And yeah. there's a couple of those where he just didn't quite give the receiver a chance to try to make a play. And hopefully he'll get better. Um, you know, I didn't think the throwing volume – was greatly increased from what I've seen in years past. I don't know how you felt. No, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, I just think it's something I've mentioned. And I, I do think that's why they drafted guys like Rashad Bateman and Tyler Walsh to help with that a little bit. We'll see. I do think they're going to have to lean heavier on the pass than they have in the past couple of years. Because while Williams did look good, as did Murray did at times, I think it's fair to say, the Raiders' defense is not one of the better defenses that they're going to play this year, so they're likely going to have to rely on Lamar um, and that passing game to get going. It was only week one. I don't remember off the top of my head how much the Ravens played in the preseason, uh, but I've heard a lot of people talking about it yesterday and today, and I completely agree with them. A lot of these teams that you saw not doing much in the preseason kind of struggled offensively last week or uh, on Sunday. And I do think that's a big part of it is we used to see these guys play a little bit in game two then like an entire half in game three and then take that break in week four. Yeah. Well, now you only have three games and there was a lot of teams that didn't play at all. Now didn't really seem to affect Matt Stafford and the Rams, but there was a lot of teams that it looked like it, it struck, it looked like it bothered him a little bit. The offenses weren't quite kind of up to what you would expect them to be. We saw a little bit of that last year because of COVID. So I think we'll give it a couple of weeks and we'll probably see more of what Lamar really is going to be. Maybe it was just a little bit of, I don't want to say nerves, but first game back, yeah. all that stuff, you know, he missed a couple throws, but I mean, well, they're still very good time too. with uh, COVID too, or at least yeah. COVID protocol, which messes up. I, you have to wonder if that was an impact with a team like Tennessee too, where Tannehill and several of those guys were out with a COVID protocol missing practice time. So not only are you not getting the game reps, you're not even getting all the practice reps. Oh, I, I have to imagine it does. There, there's no way that at the NFL level, you can miss practice time and everything, whether it's due to COVID, whatever, and and be per. I mean, the only person I think could probably do this is Mahomes at this point, because the guy can do anything. I just, I, I give up. Or apparently but at this point, Cousins, who well, a ton of know. training camp and crews He's, for a quick three, three. Captain Kirk, though, he's just nice, easy. You know, just he's he's consistent. That's what you love about him. That's if what I love his, about him, at least. If only his coach liked him as much as you do. Well, that's true. Maybe they should ask me to come be the coach. I think uh, I think I could do a pretty good job there. Um, it was definitely a slow start for the Raiders. MacArthur for four hundred and thirty-five yards. Waller seemed like he was the only one who got every single target. He did end up with nineteen. Uh, Jackson, four for 81, and then Renfro, six for 70. Zay Jones with the big touchdown in overtime 
to win it. Rugs looked good. What was your takeaway from the Raiders offense? Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr was uh, playing quarterback, looking at Darren Waller like he knew he was on my fantasy team and wanted to help. But I was a little nervous after that first half. He had like 13 targets, only two receptions. I was like, man, I got to got to get some he ends up 10 105 a touchdown he's a beast he's going to be a beast Raiders were a little slow to get on track Josh Jacobs is already injured I feel like that's a perpetual situation their offensive line is not incredible uh neither he nor Kenyon Drake looked particularly effective though the Ravens front end of their defense is probably the better part of the defense have to see if that improves. I was excited with not only the receiver usage, but the big plays in big moments. Brian Edwards wasn't a huge factor early, but his four catches for 81 yards were predominantly in the fourth quarter and a beautiful catch in overtime. That gives you an indication that he's a guy Carr trusts in big situations. Hunter Renfro, his hairline might be receding, but his role in the offense seems to be going strong. I loved um, Andrew Mason, who was one of the Broncos beat writers. He's like Hunter Hunter Renfro, small hands, big results. Uh, you know, I saw he, you and I saw that you shared oh, that. Oh man, I love that. Well, and you know, he seemed to be a, a clutch guy on third down, so he might have a continued sustained role that we that we've underestimated rugs feels like he is what he is they were trying to get him the ball a lot early and couldn't connect but when they land those huge plays they're game changers yeah. you know, when they went down and they needed a score and he caught a 37 yard bomb it turns things over the interception in overtime i even though they were a couple of them were quick to say car messed up he threw it and it hit willie sneed in the hands yeah it in I, the air. I do not feel like that is maybe you know maybe Carr threw it a little harder than he'd like but your professional receiver wide open on a slant if it hits you in the hands you gotta, catch you gotta it. have it yeah. um and then zay jones continues to exist out there for <laughs> giant bomb touchdowns that was that was a fun moment i i thought the raiders looked pretty good at times um, and the Ravens are not a, an easy opponent. So the Raiders always start fast. The question is, will they look like this in November? Yeah. And I, I want to say that I, I do feel a little bit bad for Derek Carr. Like he gets so much crap and he really is a very good quarterback. And I, I mean, if you talk about, I know the last two years you've talked about, you didn't think they'd make the playoffs. As you just mentioned, they always get off to these hot starts, look like they're bound for the playoffs and then something doesn't happen. It's never really because of Carr, though. It's usually because that defense can't stop teams from scoring. The Raiders are consistently putting up points. And again, we saw that last night. Now, Carl Nassib came up huge for them in getting that fumble on Lamar Jackson to allow them to then what looked like just Baltimore not realizing what was going on. And, I mean, it was almost like I really want to know, and I haven't seen any of the postgame stuff. I assume it wasn't a trick play. But the no. fact that like everybody was kind of like scrambling for the Raiders trying to get set, and then they called it's almost like the Ravens weren't expecting them to call it and they were gonna call a timeout, and then they called it and then Zay Jones just ran. And like yeah. everybody forgot that Zay Jones was on the field. So um I, I yeah. love the uh yeah, the blown coverage. Yeah. Um I love the Brian Edwards catch. I honestly think he scored. I don't know. To me, it did not look like his knee was down, but I well, guess and that almost turned from like a super exciting moment to a 
the yeah. tragedy because they couldn't pile drive it in with Carr, which I understand why they, people question, well, why not give it to Jacobs? Jacobs didn't look like he was healthy enough to move that pile. They were probably hoping they up the up quarterback would get in there. Then they had that stupid penalty, and then Snead pops it up for an interception. I thought, oh, my God, we yeah. went from gonna, this game is over to now they're going to lose. This is going to be the most yeah. heartbreaking. But they got pressure on Lamar there at the end with Nassib and Crosby with Yannick and Gakwe on the bench with an injury. So that front could even be better. Um, Let's see here. So I forgot what I was about to say. Oh, so with, with Waller getting all the targets, is there anybody else in this offense that you trust? Is it, you know, is it Edwards who got the big play there? You know, is it, I mean, I don't really think there's anybody else. You can't, like, we talked a lot about it. We like Ruggs. He's a very good NFL player, but I think fantasy-wise, he's not someone you can trust unless it's best ball. Ruggs, yeah. Ruggs is the perfect best ball player. Um, I would like to see, uh, you know, I'm probably a little more cautious waiting before I feel like Edwards is an automatic start. He had four for 81, which is encouraging, only had five targets. And again, most of those came later in the game. Probably of the current guys, if I need a deep league flex right now, it's Renfro because he seems to be the getting consistent volume and he's in a spot and a role where, you know, we've seen guys like that. Cole Beasley does that. We've seen, yeah. you know, guys who are just kind of soaking up. That's how Jamison Crowder made his living for the Jets for a long time. Uh, Renfro seems to be that role for the Raiders and seems to work for him. I have, still have high hopes for Edwards. He was, you know, I, yeah. I ranked him 38 last week. He finished 47. One more, you know, if he gets that touchdown, I was dead on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if his role can expand. I mean, you got to remember, didn't really get a lot of time last year due to some injuries, and then with with everything going on with COVID, I am excited to see this is really, in my opinion, kind of his real first year with this team and what he can do. Because I, I, you know, I did not pick the Raiders to to make the playoffs. I should pick them to be yeah. the worst in that division, but they looked a lot better at least last night than I expected them to. So, um, well, you nine know. and eight energy. They definitely do. I don't even think I had them with nine ones. I think I had them with like five. No, so, only you know, I only I thought they were gonna be a winning. I that's just where I'm saying the NFC West clearly looks like the best division, but with that win, yeah. everyone in the AFC West won. That's gonna be an intensely competitive division, and that's where one or two small things is gonna make it or break it for Denver, the Chargers, and the Raiders. The Chiefs are gonna be in there, but all those guys are gonna be fighting to get yeah. in. Oh no, I agree with you. I, I think there's a couple divisions. You know, well, maybe not now with with Fitzpatrick going down. But I thought you know the the NFCs could be pretty good. Well, it with, could be I mean, especially not Washington. Well, yeah, I mean, if not even that. Look at how good you know. Not even just fantasy wise, but you mentioned it. Like the Giants looked a lot better than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be against a very good Denver team. You've got the AFC North where. In my opinion, the two best teams in that division lost this weekend in the Browns and the Ravens. You had Cincinnati beating a team not a lot of people expected them to beat. You got the NFC North that the Packers may look like, at least right now, are coming back to the pack. You got the Bears, who I think just proved that they can hang with the Rams with Andy Dalton, at quarterback. So what happens when they switch to Justin Fields? Uh, maybe I was right with my first uh, my first thought on Minnesota. They're going to be decent with what, what happened. But, I mean, there's – there's a lot of very good teams. Um, and the AFC East, I mean, the Patriots looked, looked a little yeah. bit better than we expected. The Saints looked better than we thought they were going to be. Carolina looked Yeah, good. I think but I only had – Fortunately, um, we have the AFC the South. That's <laughs> here. 
Well, it, it, not if Tyrod Taylor has anything to say about it, though. So you you better hope he doesn't have something to say about it because uh-huh. you're playing that on Sunday. <laughs> Browns are going 0-2. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, – I, I believe Cleveland, it. Cleveland's going to fall into Lake Erie if that happens. Well, could you imagine? Hey, it's a Tyrod Taylor revenge game, my friend. Tyrod Taylor revenge game. Let's uh, let's jump in, though, and talk about some of the waiver wire options here for week one. All right, so at quarterback, the biggest one we just mentioned, uh, we'll talk about the top two. You just mentioned how good the Saints looked, which we were not expecting. Jameis Winston at 35%. Tyrod Taylor at 4%, who I believe I just was looking at it. What did he finish? He was a top 10 option in fantasy uh, this past week. He finished as QB 11. I'm sorry, just outside the top 10. Nowhere near where any of us expected him. Um, and then you've got Ty, uh, Taylor Henneke, who obviously will be the starter for at least six to eight weeks with the Washington football team right now. We don't know if they'll bring anybody else in, but right now everything is they're going to stick with Henneke. So he's going to be the starter there. How would you kind of attack these? You know, is it easily Winston's the number one guy? And would you spend how much of your fab would you try to put on him, you know, to bring him onto your team? Yeah, it really depends on probably the kind of league that you're in, but I would rank them Winston Taylor Heineke um, probably in that order for me going forward. You're probably looking at these guys. Winston is a guy I would consider in a one QB league because we've seen him be a top 10 fantasy quarterback before last full season. He played, he was QB three. He finished his QB four this week, only threw it 20 times. His big bugaboo has been turnovers. We won't really know if that's solved for a couple of weeks, but it looks like they have enough weapons for him to compete. Um, they have a decently tough schedule, but he's the only guy, if I was in a one QB league, I'd be looking to put on. If you're in super flex, Tyrod Taylor doesn't have any competition. So you can be pretty yeah. solid that he's going to be the guy, unless they decide for some reason that they're going to activate Deshaun Watson. Seems like that's not the way they're going. Heineke. If I'm desperate, I'm picking him up. I don't really want to start him this week because it's a short week trying to go in against the Giants who have a decent enough defense on Thursday night. I think Thursday nights have sometimes been an offensive slog. We got a really great game last week, but that was, you know, we probably didn't factor in that for the first time opening week game, they had 10 days of rest to build into all that because there was no preseason. A lot of those guys didn't play. It was two exceptional teams. This is two different kind of offenses with two pretty good defenses. I expect a low-scoring slugfest game. And depending on how Heineke looks, they may reevaluate. I mean, some of these long-term injuries, we thought yesterday Raheem Moster was going to be out for eight weeks. Now they're saying they've just decided to put him on the shelf for the season. Brian Fitzpatrick had a potential, they said, a hip ball pop out of socket. Yeah. I've never experienced that, but I can't imagine that's fun or easy to recover from. He's 37 or 38. He's not a young guy. Um, So there's a possibility he doesn't come back. I wouldn't be surprised. I was listening to Sirius XM this morning. They were talking about is very close to the two, a tongue of Iowa injury. And if that's the case, I mean, you just look at what it took for Tua 
to come back from that. And I mean, he, you know, we're, you know, everything aside, we all know as we get older, me and you is, is older men than Tua Tonga Viola is. I mean, not as old as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but were you older than Tua? I mean, my knees creak right now, and I'm not a professional athlete. If you're telling me I dislocated my hip, I'd retire from life. And you're talking about him wanting to come back out there and play football, so I'm with you. I, I don't know that Fitzpatrick will, will be back even not just this year, possibly even next year. So I'm with you on well, the order, too. I think Winston he was on the fence the about retiring, it seemed like, this yeah. offseason. So let's see. And yeah, the, the, I'm I'm with you on the order. I mean, I, I, in Superflex, I imagine at least two of those guys are taken. Uh, even though Tyrod, you know, nobody expected much of him in a Superflex, especially if you're playing Superflex redraft, which I think is a little probably kind of rare. But well, I guess we play in one. But Tyrod's more than likely already it's kind lost. of rare unless you're stupid yeah. like us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unless you're like in eighty leagues like us, or you're just deep into this, it's, it's a little rare. Ryan, but Ryan Fitzpatrick and Drew Locke were my uh, reserve quarterbacks, and Scott Fisher. Yeah, Locke is one of my backups, so I am. Uh, I guess I need to start rooting against Teddy Bridgewater. That's where you're torn between whether you root for your team or you root for your fantasy team. Yep. Yep, I'm right there with you. At running backs, Elijah Mitchell coming in at 6%. Tony Jones Jr., 19 Kenneth Gainwell, 6%. Mark Ingram, 16 And Carlos Hyde, 15 I mean, Elijah Mitchell seems to be the easy, this is the guy I'm going to go for. Is it the? Is that the same for you, or you look at it a little bit different? Yeah, um, Elijah Mitchell is, for me, the clear, in a way, uh, number one waiver order. You're probably... Best shot at getting him is if you're in a redraft league because he wasn't the kind of guy that got picked up in redraft. Unfortunately, I know in a lot of the dynasty leagues you play in as well, he was a guy that was routinely going in the third and fourth round because at that point you were taking dart throws and a 49er dart throw was better than others. I actually forgot uh, that I rostered him in a couple of places until this morning, which was a happy surprise. But he's the kind of guy you're probably putting a lot of fab in for, especially now they have declared Mostert is not going to come back. Um, we know Jeff Wilson could potentially come back, but it's probably Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and Jermichael Hasty in there somewhere. And Mitchell seems to be in the driver's seat right now. Had good usage. I think you you risk on him. Tony Jones is playing that complimentary role to uh, Alvin Kamara. Kenneth Gainwell kind of playing that complimentary role um, to uh, Miles Sanders. He had a good game. Got a you know got got a touchdown. Um, so he pops up there. Hyde and Mark Ingram are interesting because they're veterans that seem to have the lead role in their backfields right now. Um, the Browns' rush defense looked pretty good uh, against the Chiefs and CEH, and Mark Ingram didn't exactly have uh, you know, a lot of great statistics so i don't know if i am totally buying into that one if i was choosing between those veterans i'd probably lean hide so for me the final were elijah mitchell by a lot and then i'm probably taking gainwell because i think there i liked the usage and the opportunity and then hide jones and i'm still not bought in on ingram yeah i i would it's probably the same order for me at the end of the day. I mean, Mitchell's the easy one. I think out of this entire list, he's the one guy I'm targeting the most, but I feel like probably everybody is. Um, now, I don't know. 
what I, I'm a little bit worried about with, with Mitchell is now that we know Mostert is done for the season, I would not be surprised if we don't see a little bit more of Trey Sermon. And then if Trey Sermon pops off a couple big runs, what does that do for Mitchell? I think that I could bring him back a little bit. Not much, but he's still my main guy. Um, and really, outside of him, there's not anybody else I love. Maybe Mark Ingram, just because it did seem like he had a role with that Houston offense, even though we don't expect it to be very good. My biggest fear with Carlos Hyde is I think, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. We know James Robinson's the better player, and I know that Urban loves Carlos Hyde. It's his Buckeye. But I feel like once Carlos Hyde starts to possibly slow down or maybe not play as well, Robinson's really going to take over that role, and then you may have just wasted your money on Hyde. So I'm weary on him. Gainwell, I do agree with you on Gainwell. He seemed to be the hurry-up back, uh, and they were splitting carries a lot like in the – Toward the end of the second quarter and like almost a third, it was a lot more gainwell than we saw with Sanders. And then Sanders kind of came back in. Uh, so, and I expect the Eagles to probably be in most games or behind. I don't know that they'll be leading in a lot of games. So, it would probably be for me Mitchell, Gainwell, Ingram, then Hyde. Um, just because, again, I could be very wrong on Hyde, but I, I just, I believe that much that James Robinson's going to kind of take over this backfield at some point. Uh, and so, I don't know that I want to spend at much. Oh, I know. I mean, I've got him and Scott Fishbowl hoping. That's the most surprising usage. Yep. I mean, that would have been surprising usage if he was seeding that work to Travis Etienne. But yeah, good, good grief to Carlos Hyde. They don't have a good matchup this week either, though, because they have Denver's front. And Denver's front was pretty sturdy against yep. Saquon Barkley. And obviously the Jaguars don't have an incredible offensive line. At the wide receiver position, the big one, Sterling Shepard, just 32%. Then you got Tim Patrick at 1%, Zach Pascal at 2 Christian Kirk at 9 KJ Osborne at 0 Brian Edwards at 17%, and Van Jefferson at 2 And you know what's great about this group at receiver is um, I think there are a lot of guys on here that you could probably also find on waivers in dynasty leagues, which seems crazy, but I know a lot of people kind of gave up on Brian Edwards after last year. I was scooped him off the waiver wire in a couple of places uh, right before the season in dynasty was also able to get him for a fourth round pick. I really like him in long-term leagues. If you can find him, I think he's only going to keep going up. Um, Shepard, I really loved his role and his usage. He seemed to have good chemistry with Daniel Jones. He is probably a guy I would target, especially uh, going into this game. It seems like they're in a good spot. Tim Patrick's an interesting one. Um, Jerry Judy is going to be out for at least four to six weeks. I personally think it could be longer. We've seen Tim Patrick have a good role uh, before. He actually caught a touchdown pass in that game against the Giants on Sunday while Judy was still on the field. Pascal, we talked about a little bit yesterday, seems to always work his way in there. And I was really excited with what Christian Kirk did. I want to see a little more consistency. The only two on this list I have a question about is Osborne, who kind of came out of nowhere. That's the reason nobody's yeah. rostering him. He got nine targets, same as Justin Jefferson. He put up some decent numbers. Is that sustainable? He would probably be my bottom choice here. Van Jefferson also feels like kind of, you know, he did a lot of his damage 
on that 67 yard go route where uh, the Bears defenders, for reasons known only to God, decided not to touch him down. Um, that didn't feel like a lot of sustainable volume. It was a big catch, but he does have the potential to have those kind of big catches, but he's competing with Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell for that kind of a role. So he'd probably be by next to last. When you get to those kind of guys at the top, if it's dynasty and you find him, Brian Edwards is by far my number one. If it's redraft, I think I'm going Shepard, Kirk, Pascal, Edwards, Patrick. Apologies. Just made a mess of everything. So, anyways, if anybody wants some orange soda, I've got some everywhere. Here you go, bud. Hopefully it's not in your computer keyboard. No, no. Luckily that is up here on top of the uh top of the um the uh, desk here. All right, so I agree with you on Van Jefferson. He is a guy that obviously they talked up a lot last season. And I do think that they're going to throw the ball a lot. So I am a little intrigued by him, but I really think obviously that offense is going to run through Cup and Woods for the most part. So he he's kind of a – well, man. I don't think Higby's going to happen. So maybe – but maybe, maybe that's where we differ. Obviously, he's, Shepard he's like is – fetch. I'm going to will it into being. I hope so. I hope so. Well, not anymore because I traded for him last year and then I cut him on, on a team this year because I, I needed a roster spot and – of course, now that now's the year he's going to go off. Shepard's the easy one. Uh, I mean, as long as he's healthy, he's clearly going to be. I, I think he finishes a wide receiver one this week. I don't know if he finishes a wide receiver one, uh, but I definitely think he's got wide receiver two upside, especially if he's going to get that volume. There is no reason to think that he wouldn't be. He's just got to stay healthy. After him, I mean, Tim Patrick, I don't know because I feel like he's, he's going to get – Froze out a little bit by Sutton now. Maybe Sutton takes a little bit more of a step forward with Judy being out. I know that we kind of had hoped Locke, if Locke was the quarterback, that those two seem to have the better connection. Maybe that happens now, though, with, with Judy going down. I still believe fans there, and I just – I don't – I mean, I know Joe Brady had uh, Teddy Bridgewater getting three wide receivers relevant last year, but I kind of feel like that may be a little bit limited in Denver because I don't think they're going to pass the ball as much as Carolina did. Outside of them, I mean, I don't trust Zach Pascal. I would probably take a shot on Christian Kirk and Brian Edwards. Um, just because Kirk, we have seen it. We talked a lot about it yesterday. He's had these really good games, but then it seems like two weeks later he gets hurt and then he's out for four and then tries to come back and it just never works out. Again, having Hopkins, Rondell Moore, I like that offense altogether. So if I had to pick an order for me, it would definitely be Shepard one, then Kirk two, Edwards three, Jefferson four, Osborne fourth over Pascal because I just think Pascal and I could be wrong on this. I think oh Pascal's five. Sorry, um, I I just don't believe in Zach Pascal. I think he's just that he he hits here and there. That's why I made the joke about it last week that that was a Zach Pascal game because it was we not we didn't think it. And it's always the games you're like now this is going to be a Michael Pittman game or a Paris Campbell or Jonathan Taylor and then here comes Zach Pascal to just like rue the day in fantasy. So I. I'm the, the furthest out on him and really Osborne because I'm with you. I really think that's a two wide receiver offense. And it's going to be, in my opinion, Thielen and Jefferson. But if Osborne does it for another week or maybe two, 
I could see it happening because I do think defenses are probably adjusting a lot more to Justin Jefferson this year because they actually got all that tape on him and everything. And while he's talented enough to beat that, if defenses are rolling coverages to him, Kirk is not a guy who's going to force it into somebody. So I think he may start jumping off to a guy like Osborne, which could end up then making him fantasy relevant because he doesn't really have that tight end outlet in Kyle Rudolph anymore because Irv Smith's injured. Based on what we saw on uh, Sunday, though, I'd be worried that Kirk Cousins is going to be on his back a lot since they're playing Arizona, and the Vikings well, don't have an incredible line. No, that uh, that's one thing I don't think I've ever heard anybody say about the uh, Minnesota Vikings is that they have a good offensive line. Tight end, there's only three. Jawan Johnson, who's at 6%, Dalton Schultz at 1%, and David Njoku at 1%. Yeah, I mean, there, there were some... Some other guys. I try to pick interesting ones you might have a chance of actually getting. Juwan Johnson is by far my top pick there. Uh, we thought whoever was the tight end, uh, you know, the focal tight end for the Saints would be a good value. I think we had all thought it was going to be Adam Troutman, or at least we're trying to hope that it would be Adam Troutman. But it seems like um, apparently the, the best kept secret uh, from camp is that they liked Jawan Johnson and that he was trending toward being the number one tight end before the regular season. Some of these beat reporters are really quick on the draw with facts after the fact, um, which has been wonderful. I know there was a lot of complaints about uh, some of the Bay Area beat reporters um, waiting after the game kicked off to say, oh, yeah, Trey Sermon's behind all these guys. Oh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk's falling out of favor. These would have been things that I would like to know yesterday to quote. So the, the funny thing is I heard a thing today about Ayuka. It was actually because he's been dealing with an injury. And if you go and look at the second half, he was actually getting more snaps than the other wide receivers. It was just that he was dealing with an injury. So they kind of slowed him up at first, but then in the second half he was out there. He just never really got targeted. So I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess I don't know what to believe with the 49ers because I maybe I'm wrong. I could have swore I remember them talking up how good Trey Sermon looked like all offseason, yeah. and now all of a well, sudden he's been beaten out by Elijah Mitchell and Jermichael Hasty. We made some uh, jokes about how often Derek Carr was targeting Darren Waller, but if you look at the San Francisco pass distribution, he literally seemed to only have eyes for Debo Samuel. The, the dude got 12 targets. Kittle got like seven, and then I think the next closest was Sheffield with three. So there wasn't a lot of target spread distribution. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm hoping Ayuk's a one. Well, but I, I'm a little nervous because you know the hope was that he was clearly above Debo Samuel and didn't feel like that right now. But back to, to these tight ends, Juwan Johnson's probably the guy I'm going after. I liked Dalton Schultz coming into the season. I thought he was going to have more of a role. Than people thought. That being said, I don't know if I feel consistent that he's going to get you tight end 15 or higher every week. I think both those Dallas tight ends are involved, and there's going to be a lot of weeks where they're in the tight end 20 to 27 range, which is what gives me a little bit of a moment of pause there. David Njoku, same thing we kind of talked about yesterday. He's probably one of three tight ends that's going to be used while they use five receivers and two running backs. I don't know if you know, Njoku and Schultz are decent stashes, but I don't know if they'll have consistent enough volume. The only one that I think could be a potentially startable option is Juwan Johnson, who saw three targets out of 20 pass attempts, caught all three for 21 yards, two touchdowns, means they're looking for him in the red zone. 
Yeah, I mean, the one good news I'll say just back to Ayuk really quick is Debo Samuel's likely going to get hurt here in the next couple of weeks. So then it'll be uh, Ayuk to the moon if he's not getting uh, targeted by next week. I, I think I'm going to go in Joku. Uh, he looked really good. The Browns were targeting. He had more targets than than Austin Hooper. I would not be surprised if they continue to use Hooper like they did last year. Is that kind of like in blind in line blockers to help with the offensive line, especially with Wills being day to day? I don't think he's going to be back by this week, which then frees up in Joku. Now maybe with Odell coming back, in Joku won't get as many targets, but uh, he looked good. Uh, I would not be surprised if he is at least decent for the next couple of weeks. All right, last thing for Tuesday, and we're going to continue to do this every single week just to give you guys an idea of what we did and didn't do good on in our weekly rankings. Again, Matt, myself, and Brandon Hay do weekly NFL rankings to help you with your tough start-sit lineup questions. Uh, those get dropped every supposedly Wednesday night, but sometimes Colin doesn't get to them till Thursday mornings. Don't hold it against him. do it until we get fired anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, after this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Colin reaches out to me. He's like, hey, by the way, can we just have Matt and Brandon do them from now on? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. Sorry, guys. So, I don't know that I was much better than you. I uh, did not have a whole lot of hits this week. Uh, so I'll just read my biggest ones that when I, when I consider a hit is either obviously right on the nose or within a couple spots. I'm not stretching it to five or ten, but if I'm within two to three, I feel like that's pretty fair. I mean, let's all be honest. Nobody's ever going to hit every single ranking dead right or even 50%. There's a lot of projection that goes into this stuff. And at the end of the day, it is human beings playing the game. If it was just done on computers, we would all be very good at fantasy. Uh, so the guys that I, I got the closest to and did really good on, Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders at running back, and then C.D. Lamb. And that's it. Everybody else was just kind of like, I mean, there weren't horrible, but those are really the best ones I think that were my hits this week. What about yourself? Yeah, so I, I went and did um, hits and misses, uh, one for each position except for wide receiver. I There was nothing that I considered a great hit. So for me, a hit at quarterback, uh, I called Kyler Murray being QB1. He actually finished his QB1, uh, so I thought that worked out. Running back, I had project, projected Nick Chubb to finish RB6. I was a little bit higher than you guys who thought he'd be lower. He finished as RB5, so I felt pretty good about that. And then... Uh, Noah Fant, I projected him as tight end seven. He ended up as tight end eight. I thought against that kind of Giants defense, he was going to be a focal point for Teddy. He really was, could have been a little bit better if they would have connected much like Andrews on a couple of those long, long bombs. Yeah. So on our misses, I had a laundry list here at quarterback. So Trevor Lawrence, who I had down in the 20s, finished as a QB 12, I believe, this week. Uh, maybe even higher. He was, he was very, very good. Uh, 12. Yeah. So he finished as QB 12. I had Daniel, um, why it's not Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. Why do I want to keep calling him Daniel Jackson for some reason? Daniel Jones. I had it down, I believe at 28, he finished all the way up at, uh, where was it? 14, 14. So he had a, a much better day than I expected. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is the obvious easy one. We'll skip that. I had Lamar Jackson as my QB one this week. He finished all the 20. way up at 20. So that was a big miss on my end. I think that's got to be because of that fumble at the end, right? I guess. So. I mean, that's only two out. points, right? That's only two points, yeah. though. That's not that big. <laughs> Let's to be here. fair, though, it? the difference between QB 20 and QB 9 was only seven points. 
Yeah, but still, I mean, that's only two uh, points. So it bumps him up to like QB 15. Adam is QB 1 on the week. I wasn't riding that Kyler oh, Murray yeah. train like you and Dennis were. So I was up. Like, even if he goes up to QB 9, I think that's a nice on my part. So. Kyler, but I also thought Tennessee's defense might still be suspect. And, uh, right. They were. And then Raiders last but not least, better uh, than we expected. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The whole, that whole team looked a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And then Aaron Rodgers as well. I had him all the way up at uh, QB six. He finished it down at QB thirty four. So uh, he didn't even make the start at thirty two. So yeah, he did finish as the best Green Bay quarterback though. Jordan Love came in at thirty six. Only forty quarterbacks. Um, recorded enough stats to qualify for fantasy pro. So 34, not a great no. Rogers is a big miss for me. Um, but since you touched on that, I, I missed on Hertz. I wasn't a big believer. I had him at 17 and obviously finished in the top 10 um, for me running back. Uh, you know, the, the big miss I thought was Austin Eckler. We talked about it I, last week. I've liked him as a top 10. I put him at RB nine. He ended up as RB 27 because he's simply not getting, he didn't get any targets and any passing work. I think that's something to watch going forward. Wide receiver was rough. I had Debo Samuel at wide receiver 51. I actually thought that Ayuk was going to be the better receiver, but that Kittle was going to dominate and Debo Samuel was wide receiver three on the week. So uh, that was an incredibly uh, tough one. And Sterling Shepard, I didn't even rank. I thought he would be an afterthought among the Giants. He finished as wide receiver eight. Big tight end miss for me. I had Gronkowski as tight end 22. I just didn't think uh, they could feed everyone. He was tight end one this week and looked like Patriots Gronk. Yeah, so obviously I missed on some of the guys you just mentioned there as well. Didn't have Shepard ranked that high. I had. Um, I actually think I only ranked Galladay from yeah, the, realized from the Giants. Yeah. Um, you know, Debo as well. I had Ayuk ranked fairly high. Uh, one of my biggest ones, I think, on the wide receivers were Antonio Brown and then Sterling Shepard. Obviously, Brown I had ranked way below the other two for the the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. Obviously, he has a massive day. And then David Montgomery. I had him as running back 16. Finishes running back 5, I believe, on the week. I mean, he just had a massive – 4. Running back 4. So, Great day for David Montgomery, and I was not expecting that at all. I thought the Rams' defense would be able to bottle him up for the most part. He uh, definitely proved a lot of us wrong, looking just like the guy he finished the season as. So, Well, Jamal Williams, we'll have to see if it was it was garbage time, but I had him in, in the 30s. Um, you know, he'd seem to be a pretty solid running back three. Finishes RB2. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, – was definitely a weird week, but hey, now we know we can focus on next week and improve the process and try and get, you know, only 15 wrong instead of however many we got wrong now. But we will, um, Matt and myself will be back again tomorrow to give you guys some of our ranking stuff. And then we will preview the Thursday night football game, which is Giants Washington. Washington, yeah. A nice 6-3 game to kick off the uh, second week. That's all right. That just means I get to go to bed early. I'm not going to fight it. Not going to fight it at this point. Just got to figure out if I want to start Saquon Barkley because I feel like that's probably a bad decision at this point. You know, yeah. I think he he probably needs – you know, I obviously saw a lot of him because I was watching the Denver game. And Denver does have a def- decent defensive front, and the Giants' offensive line isn't incredible. But to me, he also looks like a guy who's trying to work himself back into game shape after getting – he wasn't even getting 
significant practice reps until last week. Now you're talking about a short week. I think they're going to be careful. Yeah, I mean, I've got some decent options, but we'll definitely talk more about that tomorrow as we go through all of our rankings and preview the Thursday night football game. Everybody have yourself a great Tuesday. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.